what's up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy, jumping on. We've got another fun podcast episode uh, that I wanted to share with you. I bring on Brendan Hasty. He actually runs a, a very great YouTube channel. If you go just search him, Brendan Hasty. He runs this. Uh, he, he's a structural engineer from Australia. He's got over 15 years of working experience designing uh, structures of all kinds, from small to large. And he brings a ton of experience and he shares that with the world. A uh, day in the life of a structural engineer, software to use, and anything to deal with civil engineering, specifically also to the structural engineering arena. So I brought him on, wanted to talk about his advice about becoming a structural engineer, what it's like being an engineer in Australia. We detail uh, things about pay, a uh, pay gap in the structural engineering world. We talk about advice as a starting engineer, how to become a mentor, how to become a professional engineer, and a lot more great stuff. So definitely you want to hang around and check this out. Uh, if you need resources and you are studying for your exams, go check out civilengineeringacademy.com where we have courses to help you with your FE or your PE to help you on your journey to become a licensed professional engineer, which is my goal to help you on this journey. So anyway, uh, this episode is is again with Brandon Hasty. Go check out his YouTube channel again. Give him some thanks and some love. Really do appreciate it. And it's coming up right after this. All right, Brendan, welcome to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. How's it going? Good. How about you? Hey, I'm doing well. I know you're in Australia. I'm in Utah. There's quite a time difference. So thanks for making time to jump on with me today. Appreciate it. Um, As we get going, uh, I probably obviously read some sort of introduction at the beginning of this about yourself, but I always like to ask my guests, you know, to describe a little bit more about your own background, uh, maybe how you found yourself in to the world of civil engineering. Well, civil engineering sort of started when I was younger. My grandpa, he was an engineer. He actually worked on, we had some big power plants down here and he helped build what is called Loy Yang, one of the biggest power plants down in Victoria. Um, wow. he, he had to also, from that, he had to learn Japanese and other, and other languages because they didn't have them in, in English. So they actually flew over to Japan and had to fly find all, all, all this stuff. He was really insistent in trying to push into the engineering. So I got my start when I was quite early. Um, sketching on, like, he had he had big sketch pads. He was an electrical engineer, not a structural engineer, but I, I grew up sketching on all his um, old drawings that he had. Wow. Um, yeah. From Did there, you learn any electrical because your dad was an electrical? I mean... Uh, no. No. Uh, my grandpa, sorry. My, oh, uh, sorry, my your grandpa. grandpa. But... Um, not, not really. I, I moved into structural engineering. I think that was the one that really caught my eye to building buildings and stuff. It was probably the biggest one. Um, yeah. So well, I, start, I started straight off into civil as, as I graduated. First year at um, university is obviously a combined year where you can do whatever you want to choose, but then, then you move into whatever stream you pick after then. And I really, okay. really like civil. And is schooling there in Australia, is, I mean, is it typically a four-year degree and you're done or does it take five years? I know here in the United States, um, it usually takes an engineer, if you're going through engineering school, it usually takes about five years to really get through all the credit hours that they throw at you. But yeah. um, just curious how that works there. Yeah, so I think most of my friends did it in four years, but I do know a lot of people also do it in five. So it is a four-year bachelor degree if you pass everything you manage to get through everything in one go. Um, I passed it in four years, but yeah. I actually, I started working when I was in second year. So I got, I got my, um, working as a, as an engineer designing buildings as a grad design, um, as an undergrad. 
designing buildings and doing a lot of drawing. So CAD work, especially early on in my career. That's great. Is there an encouragement there to get your master's degree in structural engineering or engineering? Um, not, not, not a lot. There's not a lot of demand to go get out, get your master's. So I would, if, if you do find something you really enjoy later on, so I would recommend I mean, if you're starting in Australia, you move in into your career straight away. So you start, start working as an engineer, because obviously there's a lot to learn, especially straight out of university. Then after a couple of years, if you do find something you want to study a little bit more, such as structural dynamics or something like that, then maybe you go back and get your master's. Mm. But um, it's not not so much recommended or necessary, really. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, you know, here in the U.S., I think they they it's it's more encouraged than not. But many people just get their bachelor's and start working to get the work experience going and kind of tack on a master's um, later a lot of employers will end up either reimbursing or helping to pay for a master's degree to help encourage people to go back and get it sometimes. But um, there is more value in getting your PE license after you gain your yeah. experience uh, than probably getting your master's. So that's good. Um, is there any other piece of advice you'd probably that you would recommend, you know, giving an engineer that's just starting out their career in this world? Um, you haven't finished once you've started university, really at the bottom of the hill, really. Um, you've got a long way to go. Um, and, and you'll find that during your career, you'll have ups and downs and sometimes it's just, you just need to push through a little bit, but, but also take whatever opportunity you have available to you. So even the smallest jobs I found with is where I learned probably the most it's because you essentially do everything from start to finish, especially early on in your career. So you get to design the columns, you know, the walls, everything from start to finish, and you get to deal with the client as well, which is if on well, some of those bigger projects, it's a bit harder to do. They're a little bit more flashy. And also stick with your structural mechanics as well when you're in a structure, especially in the structural engineering field. Quite often you want to try and jump into the fancy software. So trying to design something in e-tabs or those more complex software, but if you don't actually know the basics of structural mechanics, it can be lead you down the path really quickly. There's a computer can lead you to make really quick errors because if you essentially put garbage in, you'll get garbage out. And if mm -hmm. you don't have that assessment of knowing what is right and right, wrong, you can make a lot of errors really quickly. So, you know, yeah, learning your basics is really important. That's very good advice. Um, you know, that reminds me, there are obviously differences between getting your professional engineering license in the United States versus getting it in Australia. Yeah. Could you touch on maybe the process of becoming a structural, a professional engineer there in Australia, what, what that took. Um, so, and yeah. if you know anything about the, someone from the U S that wants to work in Australia and what they might have to do. <laughs> so in, in Australia, you first start off, um, you come out of university, get your bachelor's degree, then you start working. Then after several years, like one to two to three to four years, depending on where you're going, you get to a chartered status. And a chartered status is where you need to provide proof of how, you, how you've hit certain requirements that Engineers Australia actually puts out. So they, they assess you to get your chartered status, which is essentially your PE. It gives you that next level up. So, But in Australia, there's also um, a number of different additional licenses that you need depending on what state you're in so in victoria you've got they've just changed it um you've got your ibls and then you're moving into then you've got stuff in um in new south wales they've just introduced it as well and then it's rpeq in queensland but 
But typically, if you get your chartered status from Engineers Australia, it's quite easy to transfer into those other areas. But essentially, you're just providing proof to Engineers Australia that what, what qualifications you've got and pr- proving that you can actually do engineering work, that you've been working as an engineer and writing some blurbs, short, short sentences and blurbs behind it showing why you think the evidence that you put forward proves that you deserve that chartered status. Hmm. Um, probably from if you are from the US coming off to Australia, if you obviously have your PE, it's quite advantageous because you can probably get mutual recognition. The one I would recommend is getting your I-struct-D. Um, that, would, that would definitely get you in really quickly as well. So you can get mutual hmm. status with a lot of different organizations. That's good to know. Um, how... As you're getting that uh, professional engineering license, how important is it to have someone that's, I'm I'm assuming someone has to sign off on your experience or work, some sort of mentor. Uh, Yes. Is that how that works? Yes. Yes. So you've got, um, you obviously need someone who's already chartered to sign off on what you've done. So you'll put together a little blurb about how I think I've hit these targets to get your chartered status. And then you send that off to your mentor or typically a a number of people, because obviously you work across different projects and displaying different skills on in different areas. Hmm. And so that person would then, yes, I agree, agree with them. They might have a little bit of feedback. They might rate you higher or lower, but essentially there's a level of where you, where they think you fit. Got it. And um, is there any big nasty exam that people have to take like they do here in the US? No, <laughs> no. That's the, that's the one thing I think that we do pr- probably need to move into, something more like the I-Struct-D or the PE exam where you need to do this eight-hour, nine-hour exam to, to cut your teeth as an engineer. Yes. In, okay. in Australia, right. it's just it's just giving some proof, showing some computations and documentation that you deserve that status at the moment. Perfect. Well. See if that if you see if you can make that happen. <laughs> um, well, uh, Brendan, what do you love being uh, about being a structural engineer? It's good to see your designs essentially get built, and you know you can go look. I was part of that, and especially if you're a lead or even on a smaller project, if you designed a project, you get to see it come together and and how how it's built and, and put together. And even just working walking around, you can see how different buildings are put together and understanding the structural mechanics behind it. Uh, I really enjoy drilling down on on the theory of engineering as well. So I've, got, I've had some really quite complex problems that I've needed to solve, and that really required me to go down into the nuts and bolts of engineering. And you find even if you're drilling down on just something as simple as just bearing capacity or some, something like that, you can learn quite a lot by understanding the actual mechanics behind it. You may be able to assess it based on codified situations, but do you actually know the theory behind it? And I think that also relates in more areas than you think it does. Even those little things can can lead to a lot of different areas and giving you a broad understanding. That's great. Um, that kind of leads me to a follow-up question, and that is as, as a structural engineer, has there been some memorable projects that you've worked on or have there been any that you've uh, really that, that have stood out that you've really enjoyed working on? Probably the biggest project is actually got me to fly up to Brisbane. So originally I started down in Melbourne as an engineer and that's, that's where I did a lot of my engineering. And then I got flown up to Brisbane for this big project called Queens Wharf, which is um, a big casino mi- mm. mixed use development. So it's got residential, it's got uh, hotels and it's got a casino. It had um, four towers and I was one of the lead engineers on that project i helped run the four towers plus the design of the sky deck 
there. So they got this deck that linked all four towers together. So that was a really big project that I was involved with up until Tenderphase. Um, it was really memorable because I got to is the meet casino a, a hotel. Casino, so it's got it's got um, it's got three hotels in it. Um, mm-hmm. It had a casino on top and it had a residential part. One of the towers had three different architects in it, so that was wow. Quite and have you? Uh, did you go over there and stay and do some gambling? It's not built yet. So 2026 is when it'll be finished. Oh, it's currently getting erected at the moment. So. Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I like to t- talk about sometimes the highs and the lows. So it sounds like you really love what you're doing, uh, which yeah. is awesome. You've got some very memorable projects. I mean, it sounds like this one is is is, is very memorable in building. Um, yeah. is, is there any low points? Is there anything that you don't love being about a, a structural engineer? Or some pain points that um, you've seen? Well, so, well, some some things about uh, about how much we get paid at the moment. I've recently done a video on it as well about how we've sort of as an industry um, fought for lower and lower fees, which is, which is then leading us to not get paid essentially what I think we deserve, especially what we do as an engineer. We provide a really good service and it can be quite complex and be quite risky at sometimes as well. And I think for what we do, we probably deserve to get paid a little bit more, but as an, but as an industry, we've essentially fought down to try and get the lowest fees possible. Um, obviously, depending on, economic environments as well but it seems like that's happening all around the world based on the comments i'm I'm getting on some of my videos um yeah but i think i think it's something that we need to try and put together and show what benefits we can have and showing additional benefits to clients to try and build up our reputation back a little bit to show look you know you just because you can pay someone really cheap doesn't mean they're going to provide the same service as what we would um so just trying to you know upsell us a bit more as well and show what benefits we can actually provide if if you have the right sense. I totally agree with you um I, I specifically think as a structural engineer um you know it, it probably rivals those of doctors and such and that you're designing buildings and infrastructure yeah. that really puts life you know at risk and to know that somebody's done that the right way and engineered it soundly um you know, the the compensation is just not equivalent there. It's not equivalent, no. <laughs> um, and I also think that, you know, you're going through the same sort of uh, grilling process of schooling, uh, licensure to make sure that you are qualified. And as a structural engineer, uh, there's so much detail um, that that you do as a as a design engineer to make these things work. Um, I think I do think structural engineers are underpaid, and like you said, it, it is tied to these rates that you end up sending out and as they get lower, your salaries can't go higher if the company is not bringing in money and between inflation and, you know, trying to beat you up on a price for the bid. um, The salaries just don't, don't reach to levels that you probably should be paid. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. And to me, it seems like there are, uh, you know, different branches of civil engineering that everybody can go into. And, you know, I, I don't know this for certain, but it always has to me felt like that structural engineers um, go through the most difficulty in getting through school, getting the credentials and, and sometimes aren't um, seeing the benefit of that with a, with a higher salary. Oftentimes I, I feel yeah. like they're either middle or lower than, than other civil engineering disciplines that they, that you can go into, which I think is a real dis, 
you know, a, a real problem, a real discrepancy in the yeah. way engineers get paid. So um, that's interesting. Um, you, so you made a video about it. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? You have a YouTube channel. What do, you, what do we do on that? What, what, what's the channel called? So, so my channel, it's actually my name, Brendan Hasty. Um, so I essentially do a series of videos bidding on career advice or design, a basic of how you can approach design advice as well and just highlighting some buildings. I even do some analyzing some disasters. So I've done videos on the I-90 collapse. I've done some videos on um, the near miss at the City Corp Center. But essentially, I'm just trying to raise the profile of structural engineers, especially in the industry, and help some of the juniors out as well through the advice that I've had growing up through my career that I think is missing in the area at the moment. There's there's only a few of us doing podcasting, especially in or YouTubing in the in the structural engineering space, and it's quite hard to find some good quality engineering there. And from from my experience, I'm just trying to offer you know as as much as I can. But obviously, you still need to play to the YouTube gods sometimes. You know, yeah. you need to do something. It's quick and snappy. You can't necessarily do that half an hour, an hour long lecture because <laughs> it's not going to go down well. It's not worth my time. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, you know, I totally get that. So, well, if you haven't checked it out, go go do a YouTube search, Brendan Hasty, and go check out his videos. So, if you haven't if you haven't done that already. But uh, good stuff there. I really have enjoyed the videos that you do have out. And I know it does take quite a bit of time to make those. So, um, yes. <laughs> you know, all on the side of probably what you've got going on with career and family. So how do, yeah. I guess that's a good question. But how do you balance that? And if there are other engineers that, that wanted to, to be creative like that, do you have any advice around that? Um, if you want to be creative, I'll just say hit record. Um, that's one of the from one of the YouTubers that I've always listened a lot, he's like, you know, you just got to go out and do it. It is a lot of work. Um, so I need to really balance my time. So I've had to drop things like watching, watching TV, you know, a lot of free time has had to be dropped off. So I can make sure mm -hmm. I've got time to make videos. Obviously work hours is work hours. So that's somewhere between eight o'clock to six o'clock at night is when I work. Then you, then you really need to schedule your family time in between then. Cause obviously I've got two, two sons, one's, just in prep. So he's just, he's six and the other one's three. So he's going coming into kinder now. So they also need some of my time as well. So that's, but that's some of my time. And then after hours. So when they go to sleep at about eight o'clock is when I then work on the YouTube channel. That's <laughs> so great. it can be some quite late, late nights because it can be upwards of eight hours to edit a video, um, two hours recording, then plus a couple of hours scripting. So it's probably 10 plus hours a week or more. Oh man. But, well, I'm in the same boat. I still run a, a career in transmission engineering, uh, designing high voltage power lines and do all this stuff on the site too. And, and I have four kids and, uh, it's, it's a, it's a wild show. Yeah. It's a circus show, <laughs> but we get it done. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's great advice. I, I do think uh, just in general, I think engineers are very creative. Um, you know, despite, Kind of there, there might be a, a stigmatism on that engineers just stick in a cubicle and, and you know that's it. But I do think engineers are very creative, even in the workplace on solving problems and solutions there. Yes. But even outside of work, they're creative and in, in building things, creating things, um, doing what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of ways that people can contribute to raising the status and and helping others out. So yeah. that's that's great advice. Yeah, um, and yeah, and it, to be a good engineer, you have to be somewhat creative as well. Um, you find a lot of the time, 
you you just get put in you just try and draw a box but to come up with some of those unique solutions and you see some of those really amazing structures they've really quite the engineer to think outside the box and come up with a really creative solution to make sure the arctic stream can be put put to the test sometimes you can't do it sometimes they're asking too much but if you if you really see those really amazing structures they've required a really creative engineer to solve that solve them um, Brendan, well, how important is learning? So you've got all this technical background. How yes. important is it when you're out of school to to try to learn more of these softer people skills um, in your industry? And how, how has that been applicable to your own career? That That's something that I probably wished I'd picked up a little bit earlier. Um, your soft skills are highly important because when you think about what you do as an engineer, it's not just the numbers, it's not just calculating something, but it's trying to communicate that advice across to someone else. Cause you can be like, you can be the best at the numbers, but if you can't communicate to the clients or who you need to provide the information to, it's really useless. Um, so no, it's not only just your, you know, your written communication skills. I'm obviously with my YouTube channel working on my verbal communication skills, but also your documentation and how you display something. So that soft skills is about not not only just knowing how to communicate, but who you're communicating to, what level of knowledge they have, and how can you pass the information across that you need to to them. So your soft skills are probably even more important than your hard skills because you can you can get the engineering right quite easily, but it's quite hard, especially as engineers. Quite often we neglect our soft skills, but they they'll be one of the ones that you will help you promote your career the most because they're the ones that actually keep clients coming back and they actually give you better, better overall experience. So your soft skills are arguably probably one of your most valuable assets. Do you have any advice around um, improving those skills? If people find they're struggling with that um, pra- practice, they, a, a lot of, pra- a lot of practicing, like um, talking to people, just going out, having discussions with people and working out how you, how you learn. <coughs> One of the things that I've done quite a lot, um, I'm not I'm not great at reading through things. So I've actually got the computer set up so it reads back to me. So when I'm writing an email or a yeah. documentation, you can have the computer hear back. And I find that from that, I can proofread things a lot easier and a lot quicker. That's um, great. I found that I found that was probably the easiest way I found. And there's also a software called Grammarly as well, which helps with my grammar quite a lot. Yeah. So as engineers, um, sometimes <laughs> we're not the best communicator, especially written, but you know, provided you put the right um, right processes in place, you can simplify that a lot easier. Excellent. I guess to tie in with that, has there ever been a lesson learned in your workplace and what you've been doing in, in engineering or structural engineering or communication? Was Has there ever been a lesson learned that you could share with us? <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Has there been a mistake made that was like I could do better at that next time well, that happens? Well, there, there's always there's always some sort of you've got to reflect back, reflect back on what you're doing as an engineer. There's going to be times when you're essentially pushing the boundaries. You are going to make mistakes at some point. Typically, yeah. they get picked up before it gets too late. But but that shouldn't be seen as a bad thing. It just means that you're trying to push yourself ahead because no no one has ever you know exceeded something or done something amazing by making no mistakes. So if you're pushing to the boundaries and trying to improve your knowledge, there is going to be errors happening. But just knowing your limits and then and then trying to get other people to check it, then reflecting back um, to try and try and improve your knowledge. So there, there is you you, uh, you can't always be perfect. So there's always going to be problems. And then also accepting feedback when you've got other people giving you feedback, they're really taking the time out to try and help you out. So it's not like they're trying to have a go at you, or it can be quite hard sometimes. You you think oh 
you reflect back, but but they've actually tried tried to help you out. I think that um, also owning your mistakes when you make them instead of trying to avoid them or push them on others kind of goes a long way. So the quicker you can own that mistake and move on from it or learn from it is probably going to help you out much quicker and better and things run smoother. Yeah. And and then, then when you do find an error as well, it's probably worth you going into there and saying, look, I've made an error. Just don't, just don't go up to your manager or something and say, say, look, I've made a, I've got a problem here. Try and come up with a solution. It doesn't really matter whether that solution is right or wrong. At least you've tried to solve it somewhat. Don't, don't reflect on it too much, but also don't let it fester. So if if, if you found something, you do need to address it. You do need to address it. Quite, quite quickly but um at least come there with some sort of solution it's the same thing whenever you've got problems or questions just don't come to someone with a, a question come to them with potentially look i think you should frame up something this way or i think the solution is is this look it's not bad whether it's it doesn't make a problem if it's right or wrong it's just you've had a go because you know, it's a win-win right so if you've been there and said I think this is the right answer and sometimes you're going to be correct. And then if you're incorrect, you actually learn something new. So either way, you're getting benefit out of it. I love it. Well, Brendan, thanks for jumping on with me today and sharing your wisdom with us, uh, you know, specifically about structural engineering, uh, what's going on there in Australia, how to become a professional engineer and all that good stuff. Uh, What uh, remind us of your YouTube channel where people can connect with you if they want to ask you some questions. Easiest way to connect to, with me would obviously be through the YouTube channel. I try and respond to every single comment I get on there whenever possible. <coughs> That's probably the best way is, th- is just through my, yeah, through my YouTube channel is probably the best. I, I do accept anyone that invites me on LinkedIn, but it's quite hard trying to manage all the comments on YouTube plus, plus managing yeah. to respond to a lot of my, to a lot of my um, comments on LinkedIn. But easiest way is to hit up, hit up comments on my YouTube channel if you want me to make videos about anything. I do keep a list and then hopefully it gets produced at some point. I love it. Go subscribe, go check it out. Uh, really do appreciate it. Brendan, thanks for jumping on with me today. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation and we'll, we'll see you in the next one. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Let's have a drink to that. Great episode with Brendan. Go check out his YouTube channel. I know you'll love it. See ya. Thank you.